Let me read Psalm 133 first, real quick. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Glory to God. Father, it's, it's our desire that we would come together under your anointing, under your word, in unity, in one accord. And so I ask you, Lord, that we have eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand. Cultivate the very nature of our heart, Lord, that soil, not the hard places, but the soil, Lord, that we may receive what you have for us each and every day, not just today. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would bless these people as they go out this week, that their week be blessed, that it be filled with peace, with love and joy. And I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, today's message is, and I'm going to try to get through this really quick. I'm sorry, it's kind of long. The Lord really hit a lot of scriptures on this, and if I can miss some, I will. But you've got them there in front of you. I want to talk about division. Specifically, division in the church, the body of Christ. I'm not talking about the four walls, but the body of Christ. And this division has polluted the church. And so we have, as believers, work to do. And that starts with the hierarchy of the body of Christ. So you've got, your, uh, you've got different names for them, bishops, pastors, caretakers, shepherds, however you want to call them. It starts at the top and it goes down. We all have a responsibility to watch out for and to protect one another from deception. Because deception is what brings the division and the strife in the church. Now, there's going to be some things that I talk about today that in the world they're offensive. And I'm just going to say, first of all, if I can have permission to talk about politics, slavery, and deception in the church. Are we okay with that today? All right. If at any time it's too sensitive, just wave your hand. I'll change subjects. All right? Because I'm not here to offend. I'm here to educate. And I'm here to educate you in the Word of God, not my Word. All right? And we've got to address these sensitive subjects because what I'm going to show you first is a conversation I had with a gentleman on social media. Well, we'll just go right into it. It, this is amazing when, now, on this social media site, and I won't name the site, I didn't put Bob's last name. This gentleman is an administrator for this particular group on this social media site, and I belong to two groups on this site. One's called Christianity, the other is called Bible Study. This gentleman heads the Bible Study group. Sounds pretty innocent. Bible study, I mean, come on, what's wrong with that, right? But this gentleman, I opened it up the other day, glory to God, and here's his statement. And his is pinned to the top so that everybody sees it no matter where they come in at. 
it's at the top. It says, I know some of you have expressed interest in practicing apologetics in hostile territory. Hostile territory. To that end, you should go over to the Christianity group and engage them. The place is a madhouse. As Obi-Wan said, the Christianity group, you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. I read that twice before I ever responded to the gentleman. The thing that amazed me more than anything else was here is the head of a group who claims to be part of a Bible study group. He claims to be a born-again believer. He's talking to born-again believers who go to church, and he's telling them, hate, 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 hate. Come on, let's get some more hate. Let's go over there. We'll do it. We're going to go over in this other group where there's more believers. He didn't say go into the world and preach the Word of God. He didn't say go into the world and share good news. He said, hey, let's go over to this group and let's, let's hate on them. Let's cause some trouble. Anybody ever been bullied in school? Bullied at the workplace? I mean, come on. When does the childlike behavior that we're seeing, when does the church stand up and say, look, you're a member of my congregation and I saw what you had to say online? It's not cool. It's not appropriate and it doesn't represent Christ. And yet, what do we do? We get quiet. We don't say anything. Now, as you can read in the paper, I won't go all the way through it because this will save me some time. I replied to the gentleman, and I'll just condense it. What I addressed when I replied to him was not apologetics. I don't care. If you like apologetics, that's good. There's so many different denominations. There's so many different uh, theologies, doctrines. I can't get caught up in that. I get caught up in the Word of God. What I addressed was he's hate. Because there's no place for it. And we went back and forth, and you can read it for yourself at your leisure. It's not on there? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, then I'll go through real quick. I apologize. I thought it was on there. So my reply to him was, brothers and sisters, your bias, your prejudice, your vain arrogance does nothing but place a stumbling block in the place or the path of your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Jesus didn't come so we could hate our brothers or even our enemies. He came to redeem, and He did just that. Acts 10.15, And the voice came to Him again a second time. What God has cleansed and pronounced clean, do not you defile and profane by regarding calling common, uh, by regarding and calling common and unhallowed or unclean. And that was... Jesus speaking to Peter when Peter saw the, the what do you call it, a sheet coming down three different times because he was going to go talk to a Gentile, right? And Jesus was explaining to him that. The other verse that, that I said, and I just said, here is where we are to dwell. And it was the verse I read at the beginning, Psalm 133. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Jesus wants us to dwell together in unity. The power of the church is usurped or destroyed by division. And if we're in this world going to have power, we got to come together. We got to we got to stand up for one another. So this conversation went back and forth, and I just kept telling him. He kept telling me I wasn't understanding apologetics, but I wasn't discussing apologetics. I was discussing his hate and his promotion of hate. And in the end, he says the very last thing he says to me. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's my misunderstanding, actually. Uh, let's see. What was the last thing? He even went to explain heretics and all of that. And his last thing he said was, okay, well, I tried, but you aren't listening. You keep telling me what I meant. If anyone would and should know what I meant, that person would be me. When you run into people like this, when you run into somebody who refuses, and I've had this happen multiple times, and I know you have, and you have, but when you're addressing something scripturally, and they know that they're scripturally wrong, they will not touch that. They will not admit to it. Do you remember in the Word of God, where the man and the woman came to the tent, and they were giving proceeds from the property they sold, they came separate, the husband came first, and he lied to the Holy Spirit, not to Peter. He lied to the Holy Spirit, and he fell dead. Okay? These people, they've got just enough Christ in them to know that they're not going to lie to the Holy Spirit. And so they won't touch what you're confronting. Because in order to touch that, because they do have Jesus in them, they are born-again believers, but they're deceived. Because of that, they won't lie to the Holy Spirit. So they won't answer what you're addressing. They will take you in another direction. If you've not had that happen, pay attention. It will happen. And you'll know, okay, first of all, I know he's born again. Because he's got a fear of the Holy Spirit, and he won't address the Holy Spirit with a lie. But he's spreading hate. And it's no different than, well, it's no different than Hitler, what he did with the Jews. Okay? It's no different than what Pharaoh did with Israel. Because he got into fear. And so he had to persuade his people that we've got to keep them under lock and key and we've got to oppress them and we've got to put them to work. We've got to weaken them because they're more than we are and we're afraid of them. So, a very sensitive subject is the church, the world, and politics. Something that I want to read to you first is straight from the Constitution of the United States. And I want to address Amendment 1. Because we hear day in, day out, separation of church and state. You can't bring your church into my place. You can't bring it into the school. You can't bring it into the government, whether it be state or federal. 
The Constitution of the United States in Amendment 1 reads, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Congress shall not make a law against religion. Okay? It does not say that religion has no place in government. It says the government's job is to protect the right of the people to have religion. Okay? Because we have been divided, because we have been deceived, we've been lied to, we've become a church that is powerless, spineless, and we sit down and we watch people go into office and we watch their campaigns. We're not missing anything. But we elect them. And then they get in office and they start taking away our rights because the sooner that they can enslave us, just as Egypt enslaved Israel, the sooner they can keep us under their thumb and under their control. We as Christians, as believers, as Americans especially, okay, we are the ones who protects the rights of religion for the world. Not just for the United States, but for the world. And God uses us for that. And so the hope is that we will stand. We will learn what our rights are. We'll learn what the Word of God says so that when we look at our rights, we know if the law says I can do that, does it line up with the Word of God? If it lines up with the Word of God, I'm good with doing it. If the law says I can do it, but it doesn't line up with the Word of God, I'm not touching it. I'm not going to touch it. And that's where we got to get to as a church. Okay? We've got men and women of Christ men and women of God who know the Word and believe the Word, but we are silencing them. We're putting the TV on mute or we're hitting skip the channel or we're getting up and we're walking out of church because we don't like hearing about politics in church. We don't like hearing about the bad things in church or where we have missed it. So... And, and, Lord, thank you, Lord. So for me, and I just want you to understand this for me, there's three things the Lord charged me with. Okay? The first was lift my children up. The second was unity, unity, unity. And he said it three times to me in a row, just like that. Unity, unity, unity. And the third is to make sure that people know who they are in Jesus so that the devil cannot knock their feet out from under them, but that they can stand and stand against him powerful. Because when you know who you are in Christ, he just cannot touch you. He can't. And so, if I seem a little passionate about unity, it's because... I am. And you would think in a community this small that unity would be easy to come by. 
But it's not. Because the enemy has been working for hundreds of years. In our short lifespan, if we don't leave legacy, if we don't pass down, I listened yesterday at the funeral, and your family has got such a legacy. There is love and love of God passed from generation to generation to generation. But unfortunately, that's a rarity in this nation now. It's easier to pass hate. It's easier to pass deception. So when I, when I sat there yesterday and, and, and listened, it, it overwhelmed me because that love, love for family, love for God, I want to see that in every family. It, it should permeate every family. It should be a legacy. It should be passed down from generation to generation. And I know, Debbie, you see it in school. I know you do. And God bless you. Working with children and teenagers, that's not my cup of tea, to say the least. Okay? Raising them is hard enough. Um, so in Luke, and I just want to put some Scripture behind what I'm saying here. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. Then he, this being Jesus, said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of my property, or the, the share of the property that falls to me. So he divided his estate between them. Now I highlighted between them because later, and I won't go into those scriptures, the other son comes and says, Hey, why didn't you ever do this for me? You gave him everything. Well, at this point in scripture, He's saying, oh no, I've already divided it between you. So none of it is mine anymore, but it belongs to my two sons, and I've divided it between you. Verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and journeyed to a distant country, and there squandered his possessions in prodigal living. And when I look up prodigal, it says riotous. So this kid had a good time. Okay, and in this day and age, it doesn't take much imagination to see what that looks like. All you've got to do is see a reel for spring break down in Florida one time. Or, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, you can find it all over the Internet. It's not hard to find. It's hard to get rid of. Um, now, I have Trump down there. And this is a sensitive subject. And so if this bothers you, please let me know. I'll jump to a different subject. The reason I picked Trump is because it bothers you. It bothered the church. I've never seen division in the church like I have over the name Trump. He's a man. But the devil got into the church. The devil got into the news. The devil is in our government. And he lied to us. And I'm going to prove some things. Well, I'm going to say some things that may or may not agree with you, but I challenge you to just listen to it. Think about it. Make your own decision. It doesn't have to be mine. It, it, nobody has to be in agreement with me. That's the beautiful thing about Christianity is we still love each other, right? 
And we put the Word of God above everything else. So, I made a note to myself and I said, what is the message that I want to get across to the church when it comes to the church, the world, and politics? First thing, the the church should be voting according to the Bible. If something's on the ballot and it doesn't line up with the Word of God, don't vote for it. Because you're agreeing with the enemy. God made it real clear. Real clear. You got the blessing, you got the curse. And he told you, choose the blessing, choose life. Right? He even told you what to choose. But he gave you the opportunity to say yes or no to him. The world keeps telling the church that they have no place in government or in politics. How are you going to have a godly nation if you got no place in politics or the government? Amen. Amen. People in the church should be involved in government, which means that they have to be involved in politics some way. Some way. Now, our good friend uh, Gary Grimes, he helped a lot last year with the revival. And so did Stan, and they both stood the same way on this, but Gary works with the pro-life group. And there's a big campaign out right now that says choose both, right? It's basically pro-life. And this is one of the things that's out there that we need to be so decisive on in the church because God says, I don't want any of my children to die let alone for my children to become murderers in what they do. Now, there's forgiveness for it, and we know that. We're believers. So if it's happened to one of us or all of us, we have forgiveness for that. And we need to take that and receive it. But then we got to turn around and make a stand and say, okay, I know it's wrong now. I've got my forgiveness, but I'm not going to let it happen in the church. I'm not going to let it happen in my country. How is the United States of America, my viewpoint, the greatest nation on the earth, even in the condition we're in, how are we going to impact the rest of the world and stand strong with Israel if we can't stand strong in the church? Right? I mean, you can't do it. Um, The devil won in 2020 by limiting the church and using mainstream TV to create strife and division in the church. The devil came and said, it's this guy or that guy. Pick. And and we say, pick this guy. And we're not going to tell you why, but you pick this guy. But don't pick this guy. And I'm going to tell you, every piece of dirt on this guy because I don't want you to pick him. The church should have stood up and said, no. It's not about the man. It's about the politics. Do they line up with Christ? Do they line up with God wants? Because the way the Constitution is written, you can put a president in office, vice president, If the president dies, the vice president comes into office. If the vice president dies, 
it's the Speaker of the House or something like that, right? Okay, what's that tell you about the government? Things can change rapidly, right? So it doesn't matter who the person is. It matters the beliefs that they are standing on. Do they line up with God? Or do they line up with the world? And that's where we got to be looking when it comes to politics. Okay? And we can't be silent about it anymore. Do you understand that they just created a ministry of disinformation to shut up the church? And they're appointing a person to it who does not like the church. Now you tell me how many pastors are going to end up in jail in, in the United States of America. It already happened in Canada. It's happening all over the world. But now they're creating government policy that is going to put it in effect in the United States of America where guys like me or guys like Pastor Childs cannot get up and say anything about a political entity. If they don't like our, our sermon, our message, they can shut us down. We can go to jail. We don't have to go through due process. They've already proven a way to get around due process. And so we need to be careful, and that's the last thing I'll touch on that. We need to be careful about who we put in office, and we need to make sure we're not getting caught up in the hype, and we really look at the issues at hand. If they're voting for the destruction of the human body, if they're voting for the destruction of the Constitution, if they're voting for the destruction of the Word of God, I'm not going to touch it. And if there's not a good alternative, it's not don't vote. It's go find somebody to put on the ballot that you can vote for. Right? Go find a warrior that's going to stand up and say, uh-uh. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And I refuse to back down. What kind of calls them when you send people who are out wanting to find Christ and everything, go to a church that tells you about the word of Christ, not just, hey, look at this big church we have. Yeah. You know, and, and don't be caught with things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's real easy to go to a church, and, and I, I mean, it, it is. It's easy to go to a church. We've seen some churches lately. There's a lot of production. There's a lot of money and equipment. I'm not saying money and equipment's bad. As long as your people are getting fed and they're getting cared for. The main job of the pastor, the shepherd, is to make sure his sheep are cared for. And when they have an issue, they have somewhere they can go to address the issue. Right? And these two do that extremely well. Extremely well. They know you guys. They know what you're going through. And when they see you and you're out of character, they stop and they say, hey, what's going on today? They don't just shut you down and say, hey, thanks, glad you liked my message, we'll see you next week. Oh, you need this or that? Oh, yeah, we've got a service person over there, go see them. They'll take care of you. And it shows us how we can pass that on too. Yes. Yes, because there's always somebody else who will take care of it. It's never somebody's personal responsibility to take care of it. Um, so the prodigal son, I really like that because 
when you get into the prodigal son, when he returns, so it says when he had spent everything, there came a severe, a severe famine in the country, and he began to be in want. He was in lack. So he went and hired himself to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed swine. He would gladly have filled his stomach with husks that the swine were eating, but no one gave him any. When he came to himself, when the attic hits rock bottom, when the drunk hits rock bottom, when the depressor, the depressed hit rock bottom, when you and I hit rock bottom, when we come to ourselves, he says, how many of my father's hired servants have an abundance of bread? And here I am perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. Now he compromised. Okay? Now I understand this is before Jesus, before the resurrection, before our righteousness in God through Christ Jesus. But he was willing to compromise. The big thing is he repented. He repented from his riotous living. So he arose and came to his father. He took action. Right? But while he was yet far away, and this is important because you've got a father who's looking and seeking and desiring and he's expectant. He expects his son to come back. He looks every day. He wants that child back. God wants every child in the world to be his. But while he was yet far away, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. The only way to go from an enemy to God to a child of God is through Jesus Christ. He makes it so utterly simple. Utterly simple. We just have to call on the Lord. His father saw him and was moved with compassion and he ran and he embraced his neck and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He admits the state he's in. I'm not worthy. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. Not just any robe. I want the best robe for my son. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Put shoes on his feet. Bring here the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Let's celebrate. Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 saved on the hill and I will go after that one. That's not passive, that's active. Jesus is pursuing people day in, day out, and He's using us as His aid. We help Him. So we can't be divided. We need to be united. What's the goal? What's the desire that should be on each and every heart in here? Lead people to Christ. Why? Because we want to put notches in our belt? No. Because it's God's desire that none would be lost.
And so we can't allow the division. We can't allow... Politics are a little thing. Okay? They are a little thing. But we've allowed it to become a tool of the enemy to divide us, to hurt us. The Son was reconciled to the Father. He received reconciliation, just like we have. Right? If you have redemption and reconciliation, it doesn't matter what your past is. Is that right? Because from the time you receive Christ, that old man is dead and the new man is here. But the world loves to dig up your old man. And he loves to parade it around. When I say he, it's the devil. Loves to parade that old man around. And if you allow him, he'll bring that old man out and put him in the mirror in front of you and slap you around with it and say, you haven't changed. You're still that person. And we've got to learn to say, no. Uh-uh, buddy. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, and you've got no place to stand. And we've got to get that in our hearts. And we've got to be able to look at one another in the eye and say, hey, you're struggling with something today. What can I pray? What can I say? What can I do to help you with that? Because you're not alone. None of us are alone. None of us. And so we need to be united. Okay? So division. Slavery. Slavery has always been a touchy subject, especially in the United States of America. But I'm here to tell you, slavery began when Adam fell. All right? He may not have come. He came under slavery to the devil. The very ground he walked on became cursed because God would not allow Adam to be cursed. I have that thanks to you because we hit that in Bible study. Um, so slavery is nothing new. Okay? And the enemy, the devil... And this is where we got to be. Okay? Because we're born again believers. I don't care what the world says and does. We're born again believers. We are set apart. We are different. And we can't get caught up in what the world is saying because we know it's not true. The devil has been playing with slavery since Adam, and he's good at it. He is good at it. I mean, come on. God's own people fell prey to slavery. You would think if anybody would be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy, it would be Israel. But they didn't. They fell. Right? They fell prey to it. And so it should be an eye-opener for us. Yes, sir? Mm-hmm. Not only just the lies, but the, but the evilness, and you know the fact that, like what you're talking about, it almost looks like he's using his own soldiers kind of as slaves, mm-hmm. yes. I mean, to do his dirty work. Yeah. You know, killing. And the devil puts confusion in there because in the beginning they kind of had 
an idea who was right, who was wrong, but by now we've gotten to the point where there's so many different voices screaming, oh no, it's Ukraine, oh no, it's Russia, oh no, it's Polensky. Did I say his name right? Zelensky? Zelensky. Uh, it's this guy, it's that guy. But a lot of the world's just looking at it and going, I don't know what they're doing. I'll just stand back and let it, let it be. And you're right. It's, You'd be surprised how that same confusion could come to America. It's here. It's in the church. And that's why we're addressing it, because we can't afford to have it in the church. If, if, if uh, a deceiver comes in, and that would be the last part, I'll, I'll save that for a minute. Okay. Um, throughout history, division, the main thing I want to get across here is division based on skin color, poverty, social opinions, intelligence, etc. are the weapons of the enemy. Okay. Um, I may be white. But when I lived in the trailer court and other kids looked down on me because we didn't have money, this gentleman always came down and got me and we'd ride bikes out and we'd go do things. And, and I know Brother Kent's probably seen a lot, been through a lot. I mean, you've been picking up trash for years for people. 51 years. But it always impressed me that I always saw him out working. It didn't matter. Didn't matter. He was always working. He didn't, he didn't drive by a driveway and say, eh, ain't doing it today. <laughs> One bag, I'm not getting out for that. Right? He did what he was supposed to. And so it, it doesn't matter the skin color. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or you're a Republican or you're an independent or you're, uh, what's the other one? Green something. Transgender. No, that matters. That one matters. <laughs> okay, and that's another, you bring up a great issue. So the church is so afraid to say anything about LGBTQ. I mean, I don't know how many letters we can put on there, but come on. <laughs> Glory to God. The Word of the Lord says, man, woman. Now, is being homosexual any different than being a dolorous? Not in the eyes of the Lord. It's all the same. So do we let them in the door to the church? Yes. Do we allow them to stay the way they are? Under no conditions, no. When they come in, go ahead. know the word in the Bible, let them know where the way they are. Yeah. And let them steer them that they're doing wrong. Yeah. Or not, not going along with the words the word Christ. Yeah. But they're loved. It's just their actions. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Jesus didn't do what he did so that we could stay the way we were. And it's the same for us. We can let them into the church. We can welcome them in. We can care for them. We can teach and educate them. Okay? But there's a jump off point where the Holy Spirit says, okay, this person is not willing not willing to receive Jesus and you need to put them out of the church. And we need to be in that position where we can hear clearly from the Holy Spirit to know that we've hit that point. Because He knows. 
I could work with 100 people, and each one of them is going to have a different point where they're ready to receive or to not receive. So I'm not going to rely on my wisdom. I'm going to rely on the Holy Spirit. Right? Because we don't want them to be the same. Jesus didn't want us to be the same. You know, there's a, a the Chosen series. One of the things they say on there is, we were one way. I think it's the character of Mary Magdalene comes out and she says, all I know was I was one way and now I'm different. The difference was Him. And that's ours. That's us. We're different than we used to be. And so we can help people walk through this and... and Glorify God because it's His desire to have them. And so our desire is His desire, right? So the big thing about slavery, and I know it's, we're getting late and we got communion, so I'm going to skip through some of this. Um, the woman at the well, uh, the woman of Canaan, excuse me, of Canaan, she's a good example. Okay, the people in Canaan at that time were referred to as dogs. Society in that area deemed them dogs. They were as dogs. They weren't worthy of society. They weren't worthy of things. That kind of thing. And this is where we got to pay attention because we can't let somebody say to another, you're not worthy. We got way too many teen suicides. We got way too many police officers committing suicide. We got too many soldiers committing suicide. We have too many husbands and wives committing murder suicide. We can't let the enemy convince them that they're not worthy. And what did Jesus do in this example? Even though his disciples said, quit talking to them. Quit talking to that lady. She's a dog. Come on. We got things to do. Let's move. And Jesus, he carries on the conversation with her. And he says, You know, I came for the house of Israel. I didn't come for you. It's not good to give the children's food to the dogs. And she said, and caught his heart. <laughs> Glory to God. I want to read it right. She says, Yes, Lord, yet even dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered her and said, O woman, great is your faith. Do you know faith pleases God? Do you know without faith you can't please Him? She pleased God in this moment. She's written in the Word of God for eternity. How great is that? It's not insignificant. But it's showing it doesn't matter what the world says about your condition. Jesus Christ said you're worthy. And that's what you got to listen to. Now let me get on to deception in the church. In uh, there is the parable. He's talking about the Good Samaritan. 
Um, thing I'll point about that is even the holy, the priests, the Levites were susceptible to the devil. No one is off limits. And that's why Ephesians 6 is there because we've got to have the full armor of God and we've got to know what to do with it. And we've got to have the Word of God with us. Um, so the priest and the Levite actually crossed the road to go around the victim because they didn't want to soil their holy hands. Because, I mean, come on, after that, you got to go and you got to go through the, the cleansing rites and all of this, and, and it's just too much trouble. But somebody else getting. But a Samaritan came along, did not avoid him, went to him, took care of him beyond all expectations. Even to the point where he told the innkeeper, Whatever extra you need, when I come back, I'll pay you. That should be the church of Christ. That should be us, right? And we shouldn't allow, uh, quote-unquote, holy men, whatever they look like, whether they look like Bob on a, a website, or it's somebody in person that you meet in church, because there are people who have a lot of head knowledge about the Word of God, and they have no, no qualms about beating you up with it. And pointing out your sin and, and your mistakes and, and all of that. Yeah. I have a hard time with people like that. I really do because, yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. And he will even come as an angel of light. And that's why we have to be on our guard in the church and looking out for one another. Um, I mean, Fast forward. I like this. Hopefully it's working right. Division. Okay, so the world is infiltrating the church and causing division. John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. And so Jesus came that we would have abundant life. So when you get into a situation and you look, if it's stealing, killing, and destroying... Turn around. You know, because that's not the that's not God. That's the enemy. If it's life and it's life more abundant, that's God. So I mean Jesus made it very easy in John 10 10 to know how to discern good from evil. Right? Um so the parable of the talents. We know that the master gave five talents to one, he gave two talents to another, and he gave one talent to the third. The importance in this one is what each one did with it because it says, one thing I pointed out is that it says, to every man according to his ability. And then immediately he took his journey. So each had the ability to put the money to use. He did not, God does not give things that are beyond our capabilities. He will not put us in the ring with a sin or a temptation that we cannot overcome that is not common to man. And He won't leave us in it. He takes us through it. And so this, Jesus is saying, hey, 
He gave one five, he gave one two, he gave one one, but he, he, every one of them had the ability to do something with it. Now, in verse 19, it says, After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Jesus is coming to settle accounts. You want to be on the right side of the scale in this. Now, I love what the one guy, I don't love it. I, I'm amused by what the one talent guy said. Let me get to him. The man who had received the one talent came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not winnow, so I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here is what is yours. He was afraid of the responsibility to do something with it. He refused to get out of his comfort zone or out of his sinful nature to do what God wanted him to do with that. What's Jesus say in the parable? The master calls him a wicked and slothful servant. And then later on, he says in verse 30, and throw the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This guy represents somebody in the church who has too much world in him, not enough Christ in him, and he's bringing world to the church. He's not bringing Christ to the world. Okay, and we see this. We do see these in churches. And we've got to be careful not to be influenced by them, but be the influencer. Look out for their welfare. Until you get to the point where the Holy Spirit says, look, you can't pray for them anymore. You can't touch them anymore. They, they just they won't do it. And you'll hear from the Holy Spirit on that. But we have these people in our churches. Jesus said, and this is one of the most powerful verses I've found in the New Testament, Matthew 12, 20, uh, 30. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. That's powerful. I'm pretty sure there's no gray area in that. If you find some gray area in there, show it to me because I have not found it yet where I can say, Lord, but... Because he who is not with me is against me. Okay. And he who does not gather with me scatters. Do you understand the latter justifies the first? Because I could stand here and argue, oh God, I'm with you. I'm with you. And all Jesus has got to do is say, okay, have you gathered? Have you put action with your statement of faith? Or is it just an empty statement of faith? And that's what he's saying there. If you're not gathering, you're scattering. And so we have to watch out for the scatterers that do enter the doors. And we need to recognize them. The help you may need, because other people say, yeah, I'm going to help move this and that. Oh, I'll be there, etc. They never should. But they say, oh, I'll be there. I'll be, I'll be the first one there. Mm -hmm. They just don't show. Mm -hmm. well, and then, you know, kind of like, well, 
I kind of knew they wasn't, but I was, you know, I thought maybe they'd change. Yeah. 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 And think about it. There were 11 men who told Jesus, I'll be there. And Jesus said, no. The prophecy says, if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will flee. Eleven men stood there and told Jesus to his face, I'll be there with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And Jesus said, no, you will. And they did. And so it's nothing uncommon to man. Nothing uncommon to man. But we have such a unity. You guys don't understand just how, and, and i got to stop with this, because you don't understand just how powerful, how wonderful it is that you have a body here that is tied together. They're not watching you walk in the door and go, oh boy, did you see that look on her face? Mm. I am not talking to her today. They didn't look up, see you coming and turn and walk away real quick. Oh, i got to go to the bathroom. I'll see you in a minute. Right? And make their way out the back door. No. They greet you. They talk with you. They love on you. They care for you. They share the Word of God with you. They teach you. They uplift you. They educate you. Why? Do you understand? You're only temporarily theirs. But you're forever His. And so they want you prepared so that when you're with Him, you're not having to make up for lost time. You're not having to learn some things that you could learn down here while you have the opportunity, but you're fully prepared to step into what He has for you. It's temporary. Very temporary. When our bodies expire, we're His. Glory to God. Glory to God. We have Him in His heart. And our sins. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And repentance is so simple. We make it complicated. Repentance is nothing more than the mental decision to turn away from evil and to turn to Christ. That is it. That is it. The hard part is can you humble yourself enough to hit your knees and say, Lord, man, oh man, my heart is yours. And I will confess you till my dying day. And that's the hard part. But I'm telling you, if Saul of Tarsus can do it, the man who hated the church and persecuted the church watched men and women die because they believed in Jesus, and Jesus spoke to him on the road to Damascus, if that man can repent and receive Jesus Christ in his heart, there's not a person in this world that can't. And so, we've got to be united. Do you want your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-great-great-grandchildren to have a United States of America where they can practice religion freely, where they can speak freely, where they can get up and go to their cars and go to work without having a threat of a missile, a rocket? Do we have some problems? Oh yeah, but can we fix it? Oh yeah. But we've got to stand together and we've got to stand up. We can't continue to let the world run the church. 
and it's time to start booting some butts out of seats and getting them out of the church's door because they're here to disturb, divide. They're here to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and we can't have them in the church. If they won't receive Christ, the church isn't the place for them. Okay? We can keep them in our hearts, keep praying for them, keep working on them. But if they're not willing, and if they're bringing contention, if they're bringing division, you got to protect the flock. You don't let the wolf in. And let him be a wolf. 